It's time for Fed Talk, the live show for Feds in the Know. From federal agencies to Capitol Hill, the attorneys of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth bring in experts from across the federal community to bring you inside the issues. Fed Talk is meant to provide general information about legal issues. However, the views expressed in this program are not intended to provide legal counseling. Listeners are cautioned not to rely upon any statements made in resolving legal issues they may face, but instead to consult with their own attorney about specific situations. Attorneys are not engaged in providing legal services while appearing on the program and are not responsible in any manner for the consequences that may stem directly or indirectly from reliance on any statement made during this program. Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. I am Tony Bernetti from Fed's Federal Employee Defense Services. And today is Friday, June 17th, and we have a real exciting show for you today. We're going to be talking about the current state of millennials in the federal government. And since I am not remotely close to being a millennial, I have a co-host today who is Nikki Cannon from the law firm of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth, and she's here to help me facilitate this discussion. Nikki is the Senior Legislative and Media Coordinator at Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. Say good morning, Nikki. Good morning. Thanks for being here. And for our guest today, we have three more millennials. So first, let me introduce Michelle Rosa, who is the Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer at YGL, or Young Government Leaders. Good morning, Michelle. Welcome to the show. Good morning. And we also have two representatives from GovLoop. For those of you who are unfamiliar with GovLoop, I like to call it the um, Facebook for the government, but you all may, may correct me later. Uh, it's really an online community for federal, state, and um local government employees to connect with one another. So first, I'll let me introduce Christine Burke, who is the Digital Marketing Manager at GovLoop, and then Emily Jarvis, who is the Online and Events Coordinator at GovLoop. Good morning, Christine and Emily. Morning. Before we get started, I want to remind everyone that FedTalk is brought to you by Federal Long-Term Care Partners. Long-Term Care Partners administers the Office of Personnel Management-sponsored Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program. For more information, go to www.ltcfeds.com. That's ltcfeds.com. So, Nikki, let me um, let me start with you since the idea for this show was yours. You know, if you can kind of just introduce this the topic for our for our listeners, millennials, and you know, in the federal government, um, why is that an important issue? You know, why should we care? You know, Tony, uh, millennials broadly have been a hot topic for some time. We're the largest, most diverse generation this country has seen, and we're just coming into our own in our careers. Now, the profile of a millennial says that we look for jobs that are service-oriented, personally rewarding, and that give back to the community, and most would describe a government job as being this. But the jarring stat is that less than 7% of the federal workforce is made up of millennials. Really? Yeah. So, Michelle, let me let me start with you, because I introduced you um, with your position at Young Government Leaders, but you also have a day job. You're, you're a government employee over at DOD. Can't talk this morning. Um, what, Emily, what motivated you to seek out public service? Absolutely. So uh, before getting my uh, federal job uh, a year ago this week, I was a federal contractor for over six years uh, supporting DOD. So government job uh, was not foreign to me. I was very familiar with the work. And when the opportunity to become a, a government employee arose, uh, I just felt that it was an opportunity to support that mission more directly. So even though as a contractor, you're still supporting that mission, it's very different when you're in the government. So for me, it was just supporting the, the mission a little bit more closely. 
So let me ask you, before you became a government contractor, were you at all interested in, in government service or being a government employee? Or was it simply having that experience as a government contractor working day to day with, with the feds? Actually, my fr I, I wanted to be a government employee when I graduated. That was kind of my goal. But it didn't happen right away. Application processes were very uh, slow and very difficult when mm -hmm. you're not familiar with it. And becoming a contractor was just the easier, more faster way to get there. So that's what I did. I became a federal contractor. And so, it, I mean, are you, are you, you're not from the Washington, D.C. area, are you? No, I'm originally from Puerto Rico. Okay. So, <laughs> so, what, so when you say your goal was to be a federal, you know, a federal employee, what was, your, what was your motivation? Why was that, you know, a dream of yours? You know, why was that a focus of yours? It's funny because I just knew a lot of people that worked for the government. In Puerto Rico, we have government agencies as well. And I always just felt connected to the mission. And uh, I just always, I was familiar with the type of, of job. And it's just DOD's mission is bigger than ourselves. And right. for me, it was really about the mission. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I asked that question about, you know, where you're from. Because so many people who grew up here, their parents were in government service. And they, you know, they, they think that and they, you know, they, they look forward to it. And it's just... Um, not as common, um, you know, throughout throughout the country. Um, and I find that when I get outside of the Beltway and I'm out there, um, either talking with my clients, you know, or insureds or my old law practice, um, you know, nothing against all the all the dedicated civil service that we have here in <laughs> Washington D.C., but the ones that are sort of outside the Beltway, they really, you know, love their jobs. They were their dream jobs. You know, I call them, you know, the most dedicated, you know, civil servants, you know, that we have in our country, whether they're working, you know, for the Forest Service, you know, the IRS, you know, GSA, you know, they really love their jobs and they believe in their mission. Absolutely. So tell us, so tell us about Young Government Leaders. Tell us about your organization and how you got involved with them. So Young Government Leaders is a nonprofit organization, and we have about 10,000 members across the U.S. right now, and we're still growing. Wow. And it provides... I remember you guys started with one. <laughs> <laughs> We've come a long way. Um, we provide the authentic voice for the young government employees, and we provide uh, networking opportunities, training, and we just really foster an environment where it's easy to talk about these topics. And we just provide that opportunity for young government um, employees to come together and talk about these things. So that's, that's how we... Um, provide that environment. And I got involved um, in October of last year. And I had just had a lot of people around me that were involved in that organization. And I, I, I said, you know, now that I'm a government employee, this is probably a good place to meet other government employees. And um, I serve as the chief diversity and inclusion officer. Diversity has always been a big thing for me. I'm a big champion of diversity. So it was just a really organic fit for me. And um, yeah, that's that's how I got started. And it's been a great experience. I've met a lot of other young government employees there. And it just makes you realize that government can be fun. Right, right. It can be. Yes. <laughs> I started off in government. Um, I don't know how fun I was, but uh, <laughs> so how does somebody get more information um, about YGL? Absolutely. We are everywhere. We're millennials. So we're in Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, <laughs> everywhere, uh, social media. And you can visit our website at younggov.org. And just tell us a little bit more about the, the events that you guys have. So we have a broad variety of events that we have. We have networking happy hours. We have training activities. And we are 
coming up with, uh, we have a part in Next Gen Conference, which I'm sure um, Emily uh, will talk about later. Uh, and this is where basically we bring together all the millennials and the government. Uh, but throughout the year, we just have a bunch of, of activities that you guys can find um, in our website and our social media. And does it cost anything to join? Absolutely nothing. You just sign up for our newsletter and you become a member. It's free. It's free. Yeah. Nothing, nothing's, nothing's free, free anymore. <laughs> Um, and is it exclusive here in the D.C. area, or do you have chapters around, around no, the country? No, we have chapters all around our 50 states, so there's a chapter almost everywhere right now. Okay. So either Emily or Christine, who wants to, who wants to introduce GovLoop for us? I can, I can take it from here. This is Emily. Um, so we, we love the Facebook kind of name that you gave us, but we like to call ourselves now a knowledge network. We feel like we've, we've grown just a little bit. Um, so now we offer a lot of different guides and resources, online trainings and in-person events, just like the one you mentioned, the Next Generation of Government Training Summit, all geared towards helping government employees do their jobs better. Um, everything from technology like cloud and SaaS and all of those wonderful things mm -hmm. to more career themed resources as well. I know I was I was I hadn't been on your website in a while. So um, when Nikki pitched me the idea for the show and you know I got in there and I started tootling around. I'm not sure that's a millennial word, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what I do. Um, and I was impressed. You know, is you know how much you guys have have going on there. Um, you're gonna have to reactivate my account. I remember the early <laughs> days when Steve Ressler founded it. Um, mm -hmm. His his idea, you know, his vision for that. You know, I'm happy to see has really you know really taken off. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio 1500 AM, and we're talking about millennials and the federal government. We'll continue our discussion after this break and a word from our sponsor. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. I'm Nikki Cannon, and I am here with my co-host, Tony Vernetti. And we are talking about millennials in the federal government with Michelle Rosa from YGL and Christine Burke and Emily Jarvis from GovLoop. Um, tell us a little bit more about GovLoop, you guys. Give me some more info. Yeah, so um, we are connecting over 250,000 federal, state, local, and actually international government employees and the whole premise, as Emily was saying, is to connect government to improve government. So by connecting um, people to resources that are free, free training and resources, um, we're helping them learn new topics that they might not know about, learn how other agencies are doing, um, tackling different issues, and helping um, provide a great network of resources for them um, at their jobs. And so how does, how does, you know, if I'm new to the federal government, you know, how do I get involved? Is, is it any cost to sign up? You know, 
What's what's it entail? It's it's really simple. So it's free, which is great. Um, how GovLoop works is you can kind of access us in a lot of different ways. You can sign up for our newsletter. It's called the Daily Awesome. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we like to make as many pop. So, sounds really awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. <laughs> uh, we may like to make a lot of pop culture references and things like that. That's the easiest way to sort of get involved. But you can also just become a member of GovLoop. It's free. It's easy to sign up. All of our resources are available to download whether you're a member or not. Um, so it's a lot of different ways that you can kind of come and engage with us. And I saw on there that you have a lot of you know training opportunities, mm -hmm. you, you know, webinars and, and, and things like that. Yeah, we do about one online training every week and an in-person event about once a month usually sometimes more um, but just on Wednesday we had what we called our virtual summit mm -hmm. so we had five online trainings that day um, talking about a whole lot of different things data infrastructure information governance and citizen engagement um, so it's a whole wide variety of things and all of that is free to do as well and I guess tell me a little bit about um, I guess the networking that's available in, in the online. You know, sort of. You know, how does how does that work? I know you've got different groups on there. You got all mm -hmm. kinds of different groups, and people can talk back and forth. Yeah. So if you join on the site, you can create your profile and really easily search for other people based on where you're located, what organization you're with, your job title, and actually connect with them on GovLoop. Now, something people of my generation care about. So when I reactivate my account, you know, and I sign up for the newsletter, am I going to get a lot of other un unwanted ads or advertisement? Well, I wouldn't call them unwanted because <laughs> training is never unwanted. Um, but you can definitely choose the avenues that you would like to join and opt out of whatever other emails that you would like to get. So when you sign up, you can actually choose which topics you're interested in. So if you're in IT, you can sign up for to learn more about analytics or cybersecurity, um, things that you actually care about. And then you'll get emails on resources that we have that are coming out on these topics that you care about. Mm -hmm. We definitely don't email you things that you are, are not interested in, and we don't do any list rentals or third-party um, emails. So, so, so here's my plug for GovLoop. You know, there's there's so much out there. There's there's you know, you talk about the newsletters. There's so much you know, online news information. You know, job banks. You know, where to go. You know, it, it seems. You know, for me, when I was a federal employee, you know, I would read one particular newspaper, one particular column, because it had to do with, you know, the federal, it put all the federal stuff right there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what GovLoop does, I think, for, you know, people who are on public service. It's kind of a one-stop shop. You know, you can you know, go there every morning, whatever, check out what's going on, you know, or if you have a question about something, you get on there. You know, I think it's great for, you know, looking for jobs and things like that you know, posting for jobs, you know, it's, it's just a really, really impressive um, website for, for federal employees. So I encourage everyone out there who's listening, no matter what age you are, <laughs> you should, you should get on GovLoop and check it out. Well, no, that's a good point though, because GovLoop's average age isn't that young. Um, the average age of a GovLoop member is 47. So we hit right there in the middle, young, old, How do you know? Are we supposed to put our age in when we signed up? Oh, we just... Just like a millennial, they, make, they just make it up. <laughs> Tons of stats. <laughs> so um, let, me, let me get into our, our subject matter here. Um, and I'll, Michelle, I'll start with you. Um, what what really, you know, you gave us your story, um, but 
sort of more of a macro sense, what really you know attracts you know younger um, professionals to to government service? That's really um, it's a very interesting question, and it's not easy to attract young employees to the government. Government is competing with industry where things look a little bit more fun and more attractive to young employees. So I would say, you know, offering things that millennials value. Flexibility is at the top of the list. Every uh, millennial that I've talked to uh, talks about flexibility and, you know, telework and allowing that uh, alternate working schedule where you get one day a week off when you're working nine hour day um, schedules. It's definitely something that helps attract and retain millennials. Also knowing that millennials care about the community and having the time to do that is very important. So you're, you cannot expect a millennial to be at, a, you know, at their job for 13 hours or something like that. They care about other things. So that's really important for, for us. What about, and I'll throw this out to Emily or, or Christine, what about you know, like a sense of, you think, a sense of government service? I know you two aren't in the government. I'll just give you an example. I was in the military you know, I got out, first jobs in law school, I, you work for government agencies, I worked at ATF, and I left ATF in May 2001 to go to my law firm. What happened in September 2001 was 9-11. Mm-hmm. And I felt, you know, a tremendous amount of emptiness. You know, and the immediate reaction I had is I want to go back, you know, to the government mm-hmm. so that I can help, you know, with, you know, what, what our country, you know, is going through. I eventually reason because I was defending federal employees, you know, and what I do now that I've carried on my federal service, you know, that way. But I've always had a sense of sort of nationalism and, and wanting to, you know, to serve, Absolutely. you know, in that capacity. Do you think folks of your, your generation feel the same? I do. And that's my reason for joining was the connection to the mission. And I feel that millennials do care about what they do and they feel that it's important. What they're doing is valuable. Actually, uh, a study by Deloitte said that uh, 95% of millennials, they feel proud of the work they do. So yes, they, they do care about the mission and they feel a connection to the mission of their work. I would also just add that we do this thing in connection with the Next Generation of Government Training Summit called the Next Gen Awards, where we highlight 30 young government employees who are doing great work. And every year we interview them and we always ask them, why are you in public service? And their number one response, hands down, is because they believe in what they do. They Mm -hmm. believe in the mission. Mm -hmm. They want to help people. And their stumbling block comes from not understanding how the government necessarily operates, how it's a little bit slower to change. And so they can get frustrated in that process, but they stick around sometimes, we hope, (laughs) um, because they feel so tied to the mission and to what they are doing. Well, and I think it's up, you know, it's not only up to, you know, there's the there's the big, big mission, you know, the nation mission, but it's up to the individual agencies. It's up to the, you know, individual, you know, directorates of sub agencies to really communicate, you know, what you're doing, mm-hmm. how that how that contributes to this mission. All right. Yes. You know, I'm not just telling you, you know, to you know, review this contract because we have to look at it for this, this and this, you know. Here's an important contract. Here's what it's going to do. Here's how it fits into the big puzzle. And that makes you, you know, you feel proud about that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, what do you do? You know, what do you do for a living? You know, I review contract, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I review contracts for X, Y, and Z that helps us do that, you know, and, and, and that's something that I think, you know, people can feel, you know, real, real proud of. Um, 
the the flexibility stuff you know i i think is i think is interesting and agencies still need to you know come a come a long way mm-hmm. um i was just thinking i've got summertime i got a bunch of interns in my office working <laughs> on, a, on a project and it, you know they're not on the phones of the project they're working on and they're all and they got to do these things and they have their headphones on and they're all plugged in their phones and they're listening to that but they're killing it they're getting all the work done and i just think back some of the people that i work for you know they would have chopped my head off if i would have, <laughs> if i would have sat there with headphones on in the office some of the people you work for now maybe <laughs> what do you think about that they could just more more flexibility in the workplace to kind of yeah, I think flexibility is definitely a key issue for um, millennials. I also think, you know, Michelle, you touched on something when you said you went into contracting first and the hiring process to get mm-hmm. into the federal government is just very, it's a very detailed, in-depth um, process to go through. And, you know, I think before we even get them in the door to talk about flexibility, they're still waiting outside, you know, for the most part. Right. So. I think there is another space that we could improve on that would bring in more millennials. Right. You know, it, it's they're getting better. I mean, it used to be this the formal form you had to do, and you had to get, this is before USA Jobs even. You know, you had to yeah. submit certain forms and things like that. But you're right. They need to, in my opinion, not only do they need to get more flexible and how to do it, they need to loosen up a lot of the a lot of the hiring rules, if, if you will. Well, I think OPM is working on it with their Ready initiative, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they're trying to make it more data driven and improve the processes, and at least to let you know that if you fill out a job application on USA Jobs, how long it's going to take to get that information back, whether you've gotten it or not. Because right now you're sort of you fill out this application and you're sort of in the ether, just wondering what's <laughs> going to happen. Um, so I know that they are definitely trying to work on some of these things, but consistently USA Jobs is just rated so horribly <laughs> by the end yeah. user yeah. who's trying to get these jobs. I think they said 187 million people last year filled out a USA Jobs application, and that's just an incredible amount of people to be yeah. able to kind of interested in, in government, and yet it's so so hard sometimes to get them through the door. Yeah, and I think you really hit on it is that um, there's such a disconnect when you don't hear back from Mm -hmm. this job application process. So it's now even, you're now even farther away from government by not feeling connected to them. The the other thing that I think the government can do a a whole lot better at is you have more internships Mm -hmm. or fellows. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, know, just more opportunities for young people who are in college and things like that to come in and work for the federal government, you know, to get you know, to get that that experience because um, they may have, a you know, a preconceived, you know, misconception about what the government is all about. And this is the same thing that's near and dear to your heart with the di- same thing with diversity. Yes. You know, that's all that's what diversity is all about. A lot of people think diversity is about, you know, quotas and things like that. It's mm-hmm. not about that. Mm-hmm. It's about education. It's about telling people this, you know, there is a place here for you, for somebody mm-hmm. who looks like you and things like that. You know, there is a place here for you, the millennial. And it's about educating them, you know, getting out there, doing more outreach, but opening the doors and letting them in and letting them have that experience, you know, that they may get, you know, get, get somewhere else. And then, you know, maybe they can identify, oh, this isn't, you know, this isn't my God, my, my father's government or my mother's government. This is actually a fun place to work that could be rewarding. Absolutely. 
You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. And we're talking about millennials and the federal government with Melissa Rosa from YGL, Christine Burke, and Emily Jarvis, both from GovLoop. We'll continue our discussion after this break and a word from our sponsor. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. If you're a federal law enforcement officer, then you know to do your job, you tap inside sources. To have a voice on policy and legislation, you join FLIOA. And when you want federal law enforcement officer news and up-to-date federal court decisions, you read FedAgent.com. If you aren't reading FedAgent.com, subscribe today. It's free. Don't let this source pass you by. I'm John Adler, president of the Federal Law Enforcement Officers Association, and I approve this message. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. I am Nikki Cannon, and I'm here with my co-host, Tony Vernetti. And we are talking about millennials in the federal government with Michelle Rosa from YGL and Christine Burke and Emily Jarvis from GovLoop. So we hit on why millennials may be looking outside of the federal government for uh, career opportunities. But I want to talk about those who do choose the federal government and what we're doing for them when they get into government work here, how are we fostering their careers? How are we encouraging them to stay? And I know GovLoop, you guys have a conference coming up that is all about this. That we do. <laughs> um, it's coming up on August 1st and 2nd. It's called the Next Generation of Government Training Summit. We've said it a couple times, Next Gen for short. Um, and what we're really trying to do is it's a two-day summit both for millennials and for new managers, what we found kind of talking with our community is that you get hired at the federal government, you walk in the door and you're faced with this huge entity and you don't really necessarily know how to navigate both your role as an individual employee mm -hmm. and how that fits in with the rest of the government's mission. So what we try and do with NextGen is one part career training, how to get to the next level in your career, leadership lessons, things like that. And one part for these new managers who might be in their early 30s or something like that, and it's their first time sort of leading people. And how do you lead people that you're in the middle now? You have a boss, but you're still managing someone else. So how do you make sure that you are communicating clearly and effectively so through the training, we try and provide leadership and training opportunities for both sets of individuals. Um, we do a ton of different types of training, everything from project management to design thinking, um, lots of lots of different stuff. Yeah, and this year we're looking to have over 700 people, and it's actually not wow. just for federal government. We also have a lot of people in state and local government who are able to join as well, and so we're really excited about this year's. And the big, big announcement is that we do have all of our keynotes booked, including Dr. Jill Biden will be joining us wow. to give a big talk and uh, her appreciation of federal service. That's very impressive. Yeah. Where is the conference this year? 
It's at the Renaissance Downtown DC Hotel in Washington, DC. Uh, I'm laughing because I'm planning a conference <laughs> through one of the nonprofits. We're having it there too. So. It's a popular Hopefully location. not the same day. That's going to be awkward. That's a good good segue. When is your conference? <laughs> August first and second. August first and second. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you guys were planning the conference, what is it? What was the feedback that you were getting that was most necessary? What is it that this next generation of government workers really wanted to learn more about? Well, it was funny you mentioned earlier about the headphones thing. Um, and how young government employees can sometimes wear headphones and they're doing their work and they're working hard, but other people might perceive them differently. Mm -hmm. It was interesting in sort of some of the lead-up conversations to the planning sessions was sort of understanding what is actually the issue. So is it the issue that they're wearing the headphones or is it a cultural issue that there's some misunderstandings between different generations in the workforce? So it was interesting sort of parsing through all of that type of stuff Mm -hmm. um, to sort of get to the root of the issue. But I think what we sort of ended up with is that people just want to know how they have a role in government. So how does their job impact the rest of the government? And so through what we're doing in these trainings is to help them sort of navigate that process. And that's um, that's really interesting that you talk about that because I feel like on the manager side, you know, with mm-hmm. your trainings, is that something you get a lot of questions about is how to manage this new right. incoming group, mm-hmm. this incoming population that you know, is sitting there with their headphones on, they're multitasking, <laughs> well, they're going yeah. around, and how do you manage that and kind I, of work? And I think, I mean, just to, you know, like you comment on this, just so, and I think that's a great point, you know, as somebody who manages millennials, you know, for example, just because we talked about the headphones, you know, just because they have their phones out, mm-hmm. you know, or they're looking at their phone doesn't mean they're not working with it or not doing with it. You know, like in our break, Christine had her phone out and was looking at it. I'm sure she was asking somebody what this pencil sharpener was behind me. <laughs> <laughs> so she's, she's never seen one before. But, you know, there are different ways to get information and things like right. that. And there's, yeah, so my point is that it should be a two-way street. Mm-hmm. You know, that if you can get a dialogue, you know, from the, the younger, you know, younger government workers with the more senior managers managers you know that you know i remember i read an article about this about the difference in in generations you know and it said about millennials and the thing that i really took home is don't confuse what motivates you it's mm-hmm. going to motivate them yeah mm-hmm. well and i think that's where mentorship really can play a yeah. role in this mm-hmm. is that the mentor and the mentee can both really learn from each other. The mentor can understand that just because I'm on my phone all the time doesn't mean I'm not paying attention to you. Mm-hmm. And maybe the mentor can understand that there are different ways to work or there are different maybe priorities or things like that. So I think that's where mentorship plays such a critical role. Yeah, yeah. and I love the use of the term dialogue because I think that's so important. And I know, Michelle, you guys have a mentorship program over at YGL. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So our mentorship program is a partnership with the Senior Executive Association and (laughs) the Young Government Leaders. And we match over 30 SESers with, uh, you know, young government employees. And I believe this is very unique. You know, it's it's very um, it's it's so good when you can have such a high level person talk with maybe mid-level career employees and it has proven to be a really good relationship. And for those that get really engaged and keep this relationship going, 
it they just reap the benefits of, of those relationships. And like uh, you said, it's it's so important to understand that it's a two way street. It's not only the SES are you know mentoring the the younger employee, but it's also the other way around. So that our program um, it it runs every year. So we open applications, and this year we're coming. We came to an end last month, but keep you know. Um, Stay tuned because for next year, we're going to start, you know, the process of applications. And, um, yeah, pretty much anybody can apply. You know, and I think like you said about the communication, you know, is, is key. You know, like we talked about the phones and things like that. And, you know, if you're able to talk to the manager, you know, here's what frustrates me about this. And you explain, you know, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have this rule. If you come in my office and I'm trying to get better at it where I don't want you, you know, your phone's not out when I'm coming to talk to you about something. Yet I got my computer up. And right. I got one eye on it all the time, <laughs> right? So I'm not following my own. So I've started by just shutting it down. Right. You know, you know, we're both, you know, committing our time to Absolutely. this, you know, to this meeting, to this conversation. But it doesn't mean like you could be in a meeting, you could be on your phone, you could just be trying to get an answer to something, you yep. know, and, and people, you know, may not may not know that. But I think if you have a conversation about what expectations are, you know, I, you know, I think that goes a long way to I agree. And I think the problem is that some of the that those conversations are not happening a lot. So you keep that in the back of your mind and you have that perception of that person, but you're not saying anything. So that's what you keep there. And that's what you're keep thinking about millennials. But opening up to have those conversations is really important to understand yeah, this generation. Too. Here's this bothers me because. Right. And then if you understand that. You could probably still do whatever it is you feel you need to do and do it in a way that doesn't bother me or doesn't, <laughs> right. you know, or mm-hmm. doesn't, right. you know, think that I think that that's, that's something that yeah. something's wrong. Um, now, GovLoop has a mentoring program as well. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, so since I think 2010, we've actually connected over a thousand people in our mentoring program. Um, and this year we have connected 50 people. And I think our program is really unique because. We are connecting all different levels, um, job functions, and um, agencies. So it's interagency um, relationships that we're creating. So the thing that I find with mentoring programs and you know flash mentoring, you have all these new things, new things <laughs> out there. It's you know they're, they're all great programs, but the rubber, you know, like any great idea, rubber's got to hit the road, and there needs to be you know there needs to be commitment, there needs to be follow through. You know, it, it needs to sort of be a a real long term relationship mm-hmm. that, that I think that goes both ways. Um, I mean, do, do you see your programs operating that way? So the way we make sure that these relationships kind of keep going throughout the program is that we do events every month to kind of bring them together again and talk about mentoring and what things are working, what things are not working. We bring speakers to talk about these things. So that way we kind of um, ensure that at least at those events, they're they're getting together again. And we also encourage them to you know talk on the phone or get together at least uh, maybe once or twice a month to keep that relationship going. Yeah, so it's important to keep the, the engagement. I think it's also really important, and something I know that both of our programs do, we do like assessments ahead of time mm-hmm. for both the mentor and the mentee. And so if you're going to go through the process of sort of filling this stuff out, you have another level of engagement into the process already um, just to make sure that you are invested. Because I think you're right. I think a lot of people see I need a mentor on my resume and just want to check the box. And mm-hmm. that's not effective. It only really works if you're both willing to sort of put in the effort to make sure 
I think some of our most successful partnerships, they've really tried to both breach their relationship in a personal and professional way as well. And not that they're going to baseball games and hanging out or anything like that necessarily, although that could be fun. Go nuts. Uh, exactly, exactly. But they really try and get to know one, one another and not just in their professional context. Do you have trouble, you know, finding um, mentors? Because I knew like somebody came to me, hey, you want to be a mentor? Like, oh, something, else, <laughs> something else I have to do? <laughs> yes, it's difficult, especially at the SES level where these people are so busy and they already have probably a couple of mentees. And this year, I think we experimented some issues and we've created um, other partnerships to bring in more people. Uh, but yes, definitely we've struggled to get those people because they're busy and, and we just try to communicate just how important that it, this is. But I, w I, I would just, I would advertise or suggest to them that there's you know that there's a benefit to them like i was talking about the two-way street you could learn more about right. what motivates yeah you know we read all this stuff they tell us what motivates but you know what do you really know right you know you're you're not having those kind of conversations with your employee employees usually right. yeah um and that could be a, a, a benefit for a mentor absolutely but i think it's also kind of going off of what you said uh, we've had a lot of mentors learn time-saving techniques from our mentees. So maybe it's an app on your phone or something that you can get that can save you time or can sort of help you engage with one of your employees as well. So I think that you're right when you said, you know, that there are many different benefits, um, but we try and encourage them. And it's yeah. also interesting because I think as a manager, um, some a lot of the people that we actually reach out to to be mentors are like, oh, no, I need a mentor. I'm definitely not at the level to actually be a mentor. Right. And we're mm -hmm. like, you know, you're going to having a relationship period is going to be beneficial for you. Right. Um, and everyone can learn something from each other. So it's even taking a step back and reassessing your actual status quo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know. It's, it's something that I really like to hear about, you know, when you say um, that it's with SEA, one of the other hats mm -hmm. that I do wear is um, representing SEA as a, as a government affairs professional. And one of the things that we do talk about is building diversity in the SES and having those mentorship programs where yes. we are looking at this new, large, diverse generation and building in that diversity into these mentorship programs and into making sure that our next level of managers is also um, a very, has a broad a breadth of uh, of uh, opportunity for people of of all spaces. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, do you find? I mean, do you find though that the you know the, that the millennials, the young, you know, that they want mentors. Some people don't want to be told what to do. They don't want to be, you know, it's, so they I, think they know everything. It's like the smartest person is the are, one who just got out of college. We are a bossy generation, I'll be honest. So that's, that was going to be my other point is I think GovLoop YGL, we do great formal mentorship programs, but mentorship doesn't mean that you have to meet once a week or once a month or something like that. And I think that's where a lot of millennials can sort of gain a lot of insight is just going with your boss to coffee or just taking a fellow coworker who mm -hmm. might have had 30 years of experience to lunch and talking to them. So even if you don't want to engage in one of these formal mentorship programs, I think mentorship opportunities are still really relevant. Yeah, and I agree uh, on the peer-to-peer -peer mm -hmm. mentoring. That's kind of one of the easiest ways to mentor is just, you know, your coworker or your friend or whatever. Right. But I, I haven't met one millennial that has not valued a mentoring relationship it's it's very valuable we get a lot from it and 
it's a two-way street so we can also help our more seasoned um, peers. We're going to stop here for our third break to hear a word from our sponsor. When we return, we'll wrap up today's discussion with Michelle, Christine, and Emily about millennials and the federal government. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. We're entering our last segment of the show, and we have been talking with Michelle Rosa of YGL and Christine Burke and Emily Jarvis from GovLoop about millennials in the federal government. So, you guys, we have talked about why millennials may be hesitant to join federal government. We've talked about some of the wonderful opportunities that we have for millennials who are currently a part of the workforce. But what is it that we can do better? Where can we improve to attract these young adults who want to work in a career that is, uh, you know, rewarding, that's service oriented. You know, the federal government is designed particularly for what the millennial profile is. But what is it that we can do better? So I think aside from all the things that we've discussed this morning, one of the things that I feel millennials kind of have a misconception about a government job is that it's like a forever never going to leave this will be my job for until I'm 50 type of job and I feel like organizations need to embrace career mobility and I'm talking mobility within the government Mm -hmm. so don't expect a millennial to be in your organization for five or ten years because that's no longer the case and really they have to see it as borrowed talent it's not they, they don't own it they use it and they foster they help them develop but then they help them move on so i think organizations need to embrace that culture of helping them move on when it's time and not just retain them and say no you know you need to stay and you know five or ten years to be you know to to feel like you are a part of this job i feel like mobility is very important well and I think to your point, just because you're leaving your current role or maybe even your current agency doesn't mean you're necessarily leaving the federal government either. You know, a a lot of millennials don't know that they can take advantage of details or join some of these like presidential management Mm -hmm. fellows programs or things like that that actually force you to rotate throughout different Mm -hmm. federal agencies. So I think understanding that not necessarily a... EPA program analyst is going to stay in that career for 30 years now mm-hmm. is is really critical to right. to sort of the changing environment. Mm-hmm. I think the great thing about um, encouraging mobility as well is it, it actually improves engagement mm-hmm. because you're going to be learning new things and you're if you think that someone is actively helping you progress, you're going to be more engaged and do better work. Yeah. I agree. And on that note, um, another type of mobility is with our mobile devices. So agencies that embrace the use of mobile device. I know a lot of uh, government agencies are bringing now the iPhones and are phasing out the Blackberries. Mm -hmm. Um, And for those that have that ability to use your phone to access email or other work related applications um, are really popular with millennials because we're always on our phone and being able to access work from anywhere is actually 
really cool and and will 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 help with engagement as well. Well, I, I like the technology point and sort of take it to take a sort of a different a different take on it because it used to be that government led you know led mm-hmm. industry and technology. It's not anymore because <laughs> right. it's all legacy stuff and they're yep. trying to you know break it down and start it up. So private sector leads with technology. You know, I think you know millennials or anybody, for example, you know. What's in it for me in this job other than salary, sense of service, things like that? What am I going to learn? Right. You know, and if you have advancement in, in technology, you know, and things like that, and that's something you can come in, learn, and maybe, you know, take to the private sector. Right. You know, my background, you know, is as a lawyer. A lot of us lawyers start in federal service to get experience, and we trade on that experience. Mm-hmm. And we go out in the private sector because that's going to, you know, make us successful. You know, and different things like that. You know, not everybody needs to be a government a govy for life. You know, to to you know, to, to have functioning and you know, rewardable you know, federal service. People, you know, people can go back and forth. Absolutely. You know, it's the whole reason I think they change, other than money, the retirement system, from the traditional you know, gold watch you know, system under the old pension type system to the furs, which is more portable. You take it and go, or you can take it and come back you know, and, and all that stuff. Um, so I think if the, you know, you focus on, you know, improving in technology, you know, I think that would, you know, help, you know, recruit and retain, you know, more qualified, you know, young, young professionals. I mean, you look at, you look at all the um, lists they have out there, the best places to work, you know, NASA is always up there. A lot mm-hmm. of the ones are up there, you know, I yeah. think cause the, you know, they have, you know, you know, the top of the line stuff that they're working with. Right. Well, I would say that's especially true for like some of the new professions like cybersecurity mm-hmm. as well. Huge. I, yeah. yeah, there are so many job openings that they can't actually fill them, but there's no one trained yet really to be able to do it. And so to get back to your point about how to engage millennials or even the following generation, those pesky kids, is <laughs> um, sort of starting with these internships. I know at the state level and local level, especially, they're bringing in high schoolers and college right. kids yes. for these it's hackathons. Called, it's called Grow Your Own. Yeah. Exactly. And then you're already in and you think it's great. And so you just stay. And that's something that I think the federal government needs to be able to embrace a little bit more is sort of getting these kids while they are still kids, but they're technologically so advanced (laughs) that they already know most of this stuff anyways. I think that, you know, that's, that's a great idea. I mean, you talk about cybersecurity, the government created a whole separate Mm -hmm. private you know, presidential management intern program just for that, right. you know, they recruit people out of, out of grad school for that, you know, but you talk about grow, grow your own. Um, you could, you know, you could change the, the minimum requirements, mm-hmm. you know, bring people in and, you know, and see if you can, you know, foster a learning experience that the problem, what's good with government is also a problem with government, you know, government's good, you know, being a large bureaucracy at doing large things efficiently. Right, mm-hmm. we, you know, widget we go and do like that. But when you have to, when you sort of try to think outside the box a little bit more and have to, you know, you know that's important to do because when you don't do that, you can ignore a lot of you know relevant factors. You know, and I think, you know, that's something you know that they can look at, look at studying. Yeah, and I I think the government does large things efficiently is a very good way to um, to explain that. And I think one of the spaces that we're really missing that I don't think we've hit on yet is that unfortunately the government doesn't promote itself as 
as well as it should. And one of the big things that it really hasn't talked about is that there's a lot of benefits for particularly this generation coming in. Mm -hmm. um, you know, millennials are almost 50% of millennials have some amount of student debt. And there's the public <laughs> service loan forgiveness program right. that mm -hmm. is just not being touted as, you know, one of the main benefits of working for the government or as a just a really good opportunity to come in and not only serve your community, but to also maybe help alleviate some of that debt that you've collected along the way to getting to this career that you want. Right. So I think the government could also do a little bit better job in promoting its benefits and, and what they can do for this incoming group. See, I, you see I, I, I agree with that, but I think that was kind of the old way. It was benefits. You know, get a government job, you have a job for life, and it's benefits. Yeah, I just don't, you know, think that's, you know, that, you know, that's what it is anymore. But what you said, I really love, you know, is they don't promote themselves. Yeah. You know, do you, you know, like you mm -hmm. see all these, these, these commercials about our armed services, mm -hmm. you know, aim high Air Force. I was in the Air Force. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you don't, you know, you know let's go USDA. Right. Let's go, you know, this and that. You don't, you don't see that. Right. Well, I right. think part of the problem is, is they they don't very clearly articulate what the job is that they're hiring for. A program analyst at the EPA is going to be different than a program analyst at DHS, but those job descriptions are the same when you look at USA <laughs> yeah. Jobs. So when you go out to promote a new job on social media or you go to a job fair, you're like, I have 87 <laughs> program analyst jobs open right now across 18 agencies. That's not exciting. Yeah. But if you can say, you know, you at EPA, you're going to be on the ground in a river getting right. samples, right. talking about, you know, toxicology levels or whatever it is. That's exciting. So I think you're exactly right. We need to be able to sell these jobs more effectively. Yeah. And I think we do care about benefits. They're just different benefits than our parents and our other generations cared about. Um, I feel like what you said, you know, the student debt is, is so important to us because we're almost all of us in some sort of student debt. So I, I think we care about benefits. They're just different from our other generations. Yeah. And to go back to the, the point on promotion, you know, these 87 program analyst jobs that are out there, we also don't see all of the successes coming out mm -hmm. of government. We do not do a very good job at talking about these really extraordinary people of those 87 program mm -hmm. uh, analysts. We're looking at people who have developed all of this new technology, who have found all of these new and exciting um, and innovative ways to to process things. And we don't do a very good job at putting they, that out in the press. They, mm -hmm. they do the opposite. They beat themselves up. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, you won't say this because you work with Congress, but I'll say this. Um, they're the worst. Don't give me in trouble, you know, Tony. Nah. They, they want you know, you know, to say we need to do better at recruiting and retaining millennials. We've got this whole big brain drain. What are mm -hmm. you doing about it? Because you know, you're out there bashing federal employees. Right. It's like it's open season on federal employees. <laughs> a open a newspaper. Who wants to go work for the VA? Yeah. Right. Are, I mean, seriously, you're coming out of medical school. You want to go work for the VA? They're not doing that anymore. I right. deal with that every day. They're leaving, you know, in droves, and you know that's part of the problem. So you know you got to you got to change the message. Yeah, you know, yeah. change change the perception. Yeah, because there are a lot of extraordinary people working in government, doing some really fantastic things for this country. And you're right. You know, Congress isn't helping us. We <laughs> every day. You know, my Twitter feed is full of something that you know we're an easy. Uh, a target right now so what about what about um 
you know, the law enforcement agencies are really good at this at getting on college campus and things mm-hmm. like this, but but you don't see it with the other other agencies. Is that your sense? I agree. Um, when I went to my career fair when I was in college, I could count maybe three government agencies and then like fifty private industries they're hiring. Why aren't there more government agencies at campuses? You know. Uh, recruiting people and that's the problem they don't go out there to recruit they expect people to come to them maybe but that's not the case so they need to go out there so we have about a minute left i want to let you guys plug your conference one more time and (laughs) tell people how to get information how to get enrolled and and all that stuff oh i will do that um so it's (laughs) next gen gov with a t at the end is the website to go to You can sign up right now. Our early bird rate ends at the end of next week. Special announcement. We are extending it. Um, What is the early bird rate? 735, I believe. So right, right and affordable, but you get lots of CPE trainings. Well, um, and that's an important thing I'll say to listeners out there. You know, agencies should pay for it. A oh, lot yeah. of people, you know, training, they think trying to save money. Training is mission essential. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, getting this training, you know, it's not a boondoggle. You know, there's real, you know, meaningful courses there. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And lots of certified professional credits as well. 12 CPs. Excellent. And how many, you had like 30 or some breakout sessions? 30 breakout sessions, uh, over 100 speakers and 15 keynotes over those two days. Great. All right, Michelle, last time plug YGL. So yes, you can go to younggov.org to join us. And remember, it's free and you can just sign up for a newsletter. You become a member. And then we're all over Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. So uh, look us up and, and we hope to see you at one of our events. And I've heard, I've just heard, that their happy hours are a lot of fun. <laughs> we have one coming up um, next week, so. On Thursday at Capital on K Street yes. is the GovLoop YGL combined happy hour, yes. and everyone's invited. Yay! <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, great show. That's all the time we have today. So, ladies, are also millennials. Michelle, Christine, <laughs> and Emily, thanks so much for spending some time with us and sharing this important information. And thanks, and thanks to Nikki for co-hosting today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And thanks to all of you for joining us and listening. Just a reminder that Fed Talk is brought to you by the attorneys of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next time.